Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Founder Podcast, where we help B2B founders take their companies from startups to scale-ups. I'm your host, Brett Trainer. Today's episode will take you on a deep dive into customer insights. Venley's CEO, Mary Claire Mandeville, gives us lots of reasons why B2B companies need to start leveraging customer feedback more. We also discuss what you should be doing about market research, customer insights, and even customer experience, no matter what stage your startup is. You can never go wrong when you start with your customers. This was a really interesting conversation. I think you'll really appreciate Mary Claire's insights. And at the end of the episode, please make sure you visit our website where you can find the show notes, plus the links mentioned with the interview with Mary Claire. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure you subscribe so you're always the first to know when a new episode is released. Now, let's get this interview started. Hey, Mary Claire, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brett. It's great to be chatting with you again. Uh, it's good. So I know I've been trying to get you on for a while and I've, I've screwed up my schedule a few times. So thank you. I've been looking forward to this conversation and we're going to get into all things customer insight, market research, everything that all startups should be doing at any stage. But before we get into it, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about your background and, and what you're working on today? Yeah, yeah, I would love to. Well, one, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So Mary Claire Mandeville, CEO, proud CEO of Vendley, wonderful company, which I'll, I'll talk about here in a minute. But born and raised in Oklahoma, went to school, University of Notre Dame. Only mentioned that because Vendley's uh, founded out of Notre Dame through a marketing professor. Spent a little bit of time abroad, came back, got my MBA, and they kicked me out and said, go get a job. So really been living in the startup world, both within school and the work that I was doing there. And then actually worked in the solar industry for a few years, which was fascinating. And then from there, actually came to Venley in 2014, I believe, and uh, was their first sales hire. So Got to help figure out what it meant to, to sell Venley and move from there into services and kind of worn a, a variety of hats over the years before jumping into a leadership role here yes. in, in the last Sales year Sales rep to CEO, man. That's I'm right. telling you. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe just a little bit too on what Venley's working on today. Where do you guys yeah. focus? What's the yeah. core competencies? So we had an interesting story over the years. We actually started out, I will not go through the whole story, but it's relevant likely to our conversation, actually started out as, as a pure tech play and trying to create access to the voice of the customer to decision makers through a software platform. And we've learned over the years, we layered services on top of that. And just over the years, when listening to the voice of the customer, we're really honest with ourselves and said, you know what, at the end of the day, decision makers... They just want the information to be able to make a decision. And so we're going to make it as easy as possible on them to get that information to make better decisions and grow their company. So we kind of flipped our model and our services back by technology. So we have wonderful research team and a great set of technology, both proprietary and, and, and stuff we brought online through other great providers. Really just at the end of the day, people ought to have the information they need to make a decision and to grow their company. It's what it boils down to. And that's a big world in the part that Venley's kind of cut out and owned really gets back to, to understanding why customers make choices. There's just incredible power in the concept of choice. And if you like really boil it down, growth comes when customers choose you over the competition and they keep choosing you over the competition. So trying to create access or, or creating access 
So that deep understanding of choice is, is where Vinley lives. And so at the heart of us, we, we use traditional research methods to get that information, do fast analysis, deliver easy to understand insights that are actionable to help decision makers make better decisions. And over that, over time, I think what's also could be interesting for today is what we've really done is strip down the the fat, if you will, that's been in the traditional market research process and applied more of an agile model and method of doing more iterative, ongoing customer conversation. Again, that makes it simple, that makes it fast, and that's going to make it more actionable. So customer choice, here we come. That's what Vinley's about. Yeah. And what a novel concept, right? Strip the fat, make it easy to access. And, you know, I I think I've shared with you, Pat, I'm a big fan of tech-enabled service companies. I just, I mean, everybody flocks to SaaS and point solutions, but at the end of the day, the next technology is right behind you. So the more service you can wrap around the tech and make it enabled. And again, that's what you're trying to do is help solve those problems. So big fan of, of what you guys do. And I still think, I think I was introduced to customer insights. We can call it different things like 2016, right? I've been in this space for a long time from demand gen to that. And it just really wasn't a thing. And quite honestly, it was hard to find a third party to kind of help us unless you're like some big ad agency that was doing those things. We were a a B2B agency just trying to figure out, you know, what we were doing right, what we were doing wrong from the customer perspective. And I still find a lot of companies, you know, lead with their gut or I talked to two customers or my sales rep told me these two things. And so this is, we're building our entire company strategy on this. So I want to put an end to that. And that's why you're coming on the show to help us set straight of, you know, how do we, since you're making it accessible, right? We should be using it. I mean, yeah. our customers are the greatest feedback. If we do it right, and I know you can, we'll get into kind of what, yeah. how to do that. But, you know, I'd love maybe take it at the macro level, why aren't more companies, and let's focus on kind of B2B and, and high growth yeah. companies leveraging services like you? So I think it's multi, there's a multiple multitude of reasons here. I think the first opportunity and enemy, I will say, is trusting your gut. People are smart, you know? Um, it's not that our guts are wrong. It's that can we better inform our guts to make good decisions? So I, I think it's just, it, it's easy to go with what you know, rather than take a chance on something a little new. I think, so it's just, it's uh, what's the term would be when you don't want to move, you don't want to change. I'm blanking on the phrase, but. No, I do that all the time, don't worry. Yeah, no, my bad. So it, it's just easy to go with, we've been doing this forever. We're doing good enough do I really want to take the risk of trying something new and possibly doing worse? So there's almost a fear capacity. And at the end of the day, I've I've been doing okay. Do I really need to do more? Second of all, there's just this, the community of research and insights hasn't made it easy on people to access it. Ease, 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 ease. And that's where you're you're seeing not only Venley, a number of companies in this this world of res tech, research technology that are trying to make it as easy as possible on people to talk to the target audience, to talk to a market and get information. We're just at the start of that journey. And this concept of bringing agile into research is newer, or it's maybe the concept isn't newer, but it's being communicated um, and leveraged in a different way and talked about in the community with decision makers, with all sorts of people. So I think the other part is we haven't made it as easy on people to get it. 
And as a result, because we've made it more complicated, it's been expensive. Right. And people are, they've had typically had a bad experience because they paid a lot of money. And at the end of the day, they got a bunch of data and a big deck and are no better off for it. Like, well, now what do I do? That's the enemy of research. Now what do I do? And so that's the call for research and insights is to, to not leave our clients or our customers with this. Well, now what do I do? And I think that's an ongoing evolution to figure out how do we do that effectively, easily, and affordably. I think there's an incredible market opportunity with small to medium-sized business to create this access to customer insights. And we're at the start of it, I, I think. So I'm not sure I answered your question. No, but you did. There's yeah, a lot yeah, there. Yeah, no. like, we could go on a whole topic or a whole conversation <laughs> on that alone. Exactly. And I think if you you listen and if the folks that have been listening to the podcast for a while know that I'm I really like the founders that have, and again, modernize is maybe too cliche of a word, but taking a, an older industry and yeah. figuring out what works today, right? Exactly. We're digital first. We need information quicker. We don't need a hundred pages of a deck, right? No, no. We need somebody to help us summarize and say, hey man, this is really what's going on with your business. We just want to give you the unbiased look and then you can you can make decisions at it. And I still find founders, again, and I get there is something to be said for trusting your gut, especially if you're starting a new business in a slightly different way. But one of the things I go back to, and that maybe this is a good lead in for, we talk a lot about startup to scale up, right? So in the yeah. startup, it's a lot of founder led founder more than likely had a problem they were trying to solve. And they started a business to, to go around it. Then as you start to get some traction and what I found is there's a kind of a barrier that you get to when the founder reaches the end of their network, can't sell beyond their network. Now I got to go reach a whole bunch of other folks, which yep. let's get back to that part in a second, because I think there's that's there's <laughs> a, a real there. opportunity, but maybe help the founders back at the start of the journey. How do they make sure to not, not waste a lot of time, right? I think you start to look at the market and then you start to bring some customers on. They may not be able to afford you at this point. There's got to be yep. some things you'd recommend of, hey, here's how I would approach this. So you will soon be seeing free materials on Venley.com. Well, for this very reason of we have a responsibility to equip just as as folks that have an expertise just like you and like many, many other folks and, and companies out there, but a responsibility to equip people. If we believe in this concept of choice, how do we create access to that to even at the most basic basic level and educate people on why this is important so and help them do it and understand this concept of choice and, and why customers make a choice. So with that said, for startup companies and young co companies, I, I sure hope people are doing this at this point. There's so many books written about it at this point uh, and articles and blog posts and such. But at the end of the day, this agile iterative method and mode of building companies starts with the voice of the customer and making rules, making requirements of yourself. I have to talk to X number of potential prospects, people that look like my customers or my customers each week. We instituted this year at Benley that me as a CEO, I'm talking to a certain number of our clients that at the end of each stage or at the end of each, we use projects, at the end of each project, they may do five projects or 10 projects with us. I understand they get an MPS, CES and CSAT survey from us that takes 45 seconds, but then we have a 15 minute conversation. Just tell me what I need to know to, to delight you. And what can we be doing better even if we did a, a good job? So talk to customers or people that look like your customers, period. It doesn't cost anything, just your time. And right. I think people like Venley and others can equip these, these organizations to ask the right questions. That's the key. So talk, 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 extreme listening, extreme listening. That's what it gets back to. And 
and bringing that at the heart of your process um, and what you're about is, is the core and, and so, so vital to make sure that you're going to keep investing the dollars the right way you need to, to build good product services and a brand. Yeah, I had a founder on way back now, <laughs> pre-50, he was actually on Shark Tank and his when he was, it was called the Bebo. I'll have to look, I'll add it to the show notes, what we're talking about, but he thought it was a really good idea, right? And he had a couple of his close friends. Yeah, that's really good. But then the next step was like, no, I really need to tell tell me what's wrong. Why does yeah. this not make sense? Because yep. I know what's right. I don't need you to reaffirm that it's right. I want to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think too often we don't maybe we don't want to hear the, the ugly of it and it's just you're going to get there eventually so you might as well hear it early right well the one thing we've been doing when i lose a sale or when we lose a sale ultimately like a sale you shouldn't be sitting on the same side of the of the table with with a company and evaluating am i the right provider for you am i going to be the right partner for where you are the stage you are and the decisions you need to make if I'm not, let's put you in touch with somebody else. It's not good for my growth or your growth if we're trying to force force right, this. Agreed. I mean, that, that mentality is, I think, important, A, number one. But if you, you got to lean forward, you got to make the ask, like we talked about, uh, Brett. That's not a, it's not about sitting back, but it's about making sure, taking responsibility for the decision that your potential client can make and, and you're going to make and investing in them. That aside, I think when we lose sales, there's such rich learning to understand why. And it could, they may say price or they may say, well, you know, it's, we're not going to make this decision right now, but ultimately there, you didn't or did or didn't do something that led them to that decision. And there's incredible learning in that. And I think it helps position you at a later time to be that partner sitting on the same side of the table. And I think it, it removes that vendor sort of mentality that, that can right. often happen. So that's the, I think for any company, for all of us, that's an easy way to, to do extreme listening and listen to the voice of the customer is that win-loss analysis. So And don't, and don't take it personally. Right? No, no. <laughs> and it's key. like, yeah, that I have to keep telling myself that because uh, you, you care so much about your product or your service and believe so much in it. That learning first mentality is keeping, making it about the learning and not making it about you or is so important. What's the next thing I need to learn, want to learn, could learn? And repeating yeah. that over and over, I think is just core to a personal growth, yet uh, as long with company growth. Exactly. And it's interesting, this now is later last week, I had, I was chatting with Dan Fister and he does a lot of work in customer win back. I mean, his whole <laughs> business is helping companies win back customers. And he's got some really interesting data that shows the success rate is actually really high when you launch win-back programs because they, the, the customer had left because the grass was greener on the other yeah. side or there was promises that weren't made. And so his whole thing, I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I said, most bigger companies don't do that because there's nobody responsible for it, right? But then we got into the conversation, which I found really interesting, which ties back to ours, is I've always, one loss analysis, I was a huge fan of, but I never really thought about churn analysis, right? So you had a customer that you sold as the founder, we're still in the early stage, they've left you, I think there would be so much gold and one, get them back, fantastic. But two, if you can understand why they left, I think may even provide more insight than the the win-loss because at that point, they hadn't used your product or service. So just curious to get your initial thoughts on that again like it comes back to the voice of the customer and if we yeah. prioritize that at each stage yes i think the churn analysis it's going to inform different decisions the churn analysis informs 
or at least how Vinley's done it is the lost customer. It, it informs decisions from a product or service or customer experience more so than messaging or, you know, making it as easy as rather than selling the solution on what the actual solution is. And that's transformative for a business, absolutely transformative. It can be at least depending on what you, you find. Honestly, the churn analysis pops up most with associations for us. I have no idea why. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Membership churn, donor churn. Those, th- those two, like for us, for Vinley, those two categories of organizations have brought that concept to us most consistently. I have no idea why that is, but. Now, maybe every dollar counts and every donor is. Possibly. You feel it more than, than lost yeah. customers. Yeah. And just maybe one last point on this, because I get your maybe a best practice recommendation from is it better as you, the, the CEO or an executive in these startups to do it or partner with a third party, even if it's, you know, somebody you bring in part-time to get kind of the unbiased feedback, or um, I bet you could probably make the case for both, but I'm just curious Good. which one you see work better. Yeah. So it's almost a, a, a both and I think it's always important for leadership to stay in touch with customers and understand. So the voice of the customer, talk about extreme listening, the voice of the customer is going to be a lot louder uh, when, when you have to do a face-to-face. Now that said, it's also, it's what we talked about, you know, Brett and you and I have talked about this before of people make a lot of decisions off of two salespeople telling them information that they heard from their customer, right? And right. to me, that gets you a start. And that, the port, the reason a CEO, a sale, wherever, why that's important is that it creates your hypotheses. Then by bringing in a third party, we test those hypotheses. And when you're able to test hypotheses rather than going on a learning mission, you're going to get a lot more actionable information on the back end rather than just trying to go and learn. It's learning to an end and learning to make decisions, not learning for the sake of learning. Sometimes that's important, particularly if you're going to a new market. But but yeah, so that's why I think it's a both end of you get the loud voice and we translate that into what are hypotheses and then we test those and do additional learning to create more of a 360 view. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, completely. And again, you you just don't want to hand it off and say, hey, go figure out why all these people churn. Because I do think at that early stages, knowledge is power and the more it you is. hear it directly. But in some cases, you can, I love the hype. I didn't even think about it from the hypothesis. Test it that said, hey, we've got an unbiased person now. No skin in the game. You, you nope. can tell me whatever reason why you left and just to see, maybe uncover some additional data points. And I, Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So perfect transition because now <laughs> a lot of that founder led stuff, the founders in the middle of everything, CEO wearing many hats doing, but now we get to the problem that, Hey, you've kind of hit capacity that my, I'm out of my network. Now I've got to go reach those prospects in markets. I think I know who they are based on my customers, but this is like, we've talked in the past 99 out of a hundred of these companies don't go from the million to 10 million. <laughs> And I've got to believe a lot. I believe 100% that it's mostly execution, right? Because if you can get to a million dollars in revenue, you've proven you enough something. things to do it. Yeah. So is now I'm a company starting to start this scaling journey. What are some of the best practices now, right? As you, the games, you, you can't talk to everybody, right? It's going to be more things. So the, the biggest thing that we see with our clients that are in that growth stage mode is I would love to us to, I'd love for them to come to us before this happens, but oftentimes I'm going to break it into just messaging and target audience and messaging includes value prop and such, but I've got to a million dollars by messaging on a particular set of values, a particular pain point, and it's worked. And now I'm going to try to broad communicate this message to a broader market or a bigger market. I'm going to use the same message for everybody. 
That doesn't work. And that's where when investment starts to increase in promotion, but you're not also investing and ensuring that I'm delivering the right message to the right parts of my audience. Brett, I'm going to make a different decision than you when it comes to investing in coffee, a car, education, you know, whatever it is, we're different people, (laughs) software. Yeah. We have different values. We have different, different things that are, are driving our choice, may even have a different competitive set. I've got to identify one, who are my different, break my target audience into target audiences, if you will. I've got different, in a B2B context, usually I have a buyer and then I, I have a, somebody who's making the decision. I have somebody who's actually writing the check and I have somebody who's executing all those people are influencing a choice. I need to make sure I'm communicating effectively with each of those, but they all prioritize different things in that choice. It's a perfect example, particularly in a B2B context that we run across a lot. So let's understand what's important to each group and what they're thinking about when they're making this choice and communicate effectively, whether that's in the sales process or in the marketing process. So uh, that's a, I babbled a bit, but Break your audience down into to the appropriate groups, which Avenly can help you do. How do people, how is my audience broken down based on how they make choices, their behaviors or attitudes, what they prioritize, and then take it to the next level and say, okay, well, what messages do I need to communicate? What's the sales process I need to put in place for that, that particular group? So it's just pray and pray isn't going to work as a short of it. Let's right. break it down and, and making that for Vindley, it's usually not a huge investment, at least I can't speak for other insights companies to just do the hard work up front to make it easy on yourself in the back end. And these are expensive. You're already going to be investing in this marketing and these sales. Why not make the investment to make sure you get the ROI you expect on that? Right. And not to be super salesy, but like directly, that's what we see all people come to us after that. And they've already spent all this money. I'm like, oh, I wish you would have come to us <laughs> But no, I mean, it's it's so true. It's a small investment up front for, I mean, if you're going to bring on one, I share the story all the time that they're ready to go to the mood. So I think I'm bringing a couple of salespeople on. I'm like, may not be the first thing you need to do because I'm yeah. still converted over the, the digital first and we've got to connect with folks digitally. So that messaging has got to be right. Yep. Then I do want somebody on the inbound side to help with that. And so if you're going to hire a sales rep that, you know, I don't know, loaded cost between 70 and hundred, you may even overspend because it's going to be one or two salespeople yep. easily can make that investment in the, in the research up front to make sure that you're getting it right and, and put the process in place that as you get smarter and you know more that it, it grows with you. It's not a, a well one said. and done, right? Yeah, so. exactly. So it's, yeah, doing the hard work up front. And with Bentley, we try to make it easy. That's the whole point of what we're doing, but doing that core work up front to make sure the investments you're making provide the ROA that you expect. So, yeah. I mean, take us down one rabbit hole before we, because I mean, it's interesting. I don't think I've had this conversation with anybody yet because within the B2B, you do have the multiple influencers, buyers, right? You got the person that's going to use it, person that's buying it, and then somebody that's approving it at minimum. It may be the same person in some orgs, but more than likely if you're selling into it, it's going to be three. And where I've struggled with sometimes is you can't really put on your website, hey, Mr. CFO, here's your risk mitigation factor of why. So you've almost got to bake it into the messaging and the positioning that satisfies all of them. But hey, user, man, we're going to make your life so much easier with our gadget, gadget, whatever, gizmo. And boss, you're not going to have to pay that much. And Mr. CFO, yeah, the risk on this is is minimal. So somehow, because I do think you're right. I think early stage, we focus a lot just on the person who's using it. And that's going to hurt your sales because you don't have the the broader. So I kind of asked you a question, but no, I I see what you're getting at. Yeah. So that actually gets back to this, this whole concept, 
It's funny. I was thinking about it this morning. Our, our co-founder, Joe Urbany, I mentioned him, not his name, but earlier, a marketing professor at Notre Dame. He, he founded the whole concept of, he didn't found the concept of choice, but leveraging choice, the best way to use it was this concept of small ball. And it's highly specific choices for a particular market or particular part of the market is going to get you the most actionable information. That's another way of saying taking this, like this agile we're using now in terms of from a communication standpoint of this agile method, it's we want to understand from a tighter audience why and how are they making this choice? And so if you, I'll get, I, I swear I'll answer your question, but if you understand the uniqueness of the buyer, the uniqueness, so the decision maker, the uniqueness of the person writing the check, the purchasing and the, per, and the uniqueness of the person using it, there's going to be commonalities likely that you can boil up into not necessarily overall messaging, but that you can make sure you're communicating with the face of your brand, which is your website. And so it's, we do this with products. If somebody comes to us and they, they think they want to do, try to do all this research at one time, well, let's break it down into how your business is organized and who your audience are, who are your customers and who are your competitors and how does that change across products, for example. And if we could do individual product studies, we can boil that up to help an overall brand message rather than trying to get all this at one time. So it's, yeah, it's breaking sense. it down is the short of it and, and understand the uniqueness of each audience or each product or each service or whatever it may be. No, I think that makes sense. And I think, yeah, that's what I come back to is, hey, here's the problem we're solving and just make sure the messaging includes, this isn't a high risk problem, <laughs> right? It, we, we, back to your point, make it, make it easy. I think we're heading towards experience and ease and the more we can do that and puts everybody less, less risk. So I know I was a little bit off topic. So no, it's perfect. Let's, let's kind of talk about, so we, we talked about not just one and done, but build it into your growth strategy. Yeah. Right? I mean, yep. I, the best companies I've worked with have, you know, you can go from, you mentioned NPS or net promoter score earlier. I love that as an early indicator, but as I'm starting to think about growing my company again, without being maybe too specific is best practices, right? So, yeah. hey, we're ready to launch. We think we're going after this industry specific. We're going after them first, right? How do I, what's a good cadence for feedback? Is it every time you win loss? Is it monthly, quarterly? I know there's a big depends in there, but just as, a, as I'm a founder, how do I think about at least including this as part of my growth strategy? So I, one thing I'd ask myself if I'm somebody is, well, how quickly is my market changing? And some kind of older, I hate to use the term old school, but kind of tried and true manufacturing. Legacy. Yeah. Heart and soul of America sort of business. Not necessary. There may have been a lot of change last year, but over time, not a, there's only so much movement. And so there's going to be a less of a need to do this on a quarterly basis, if you will. Usually that's more of an annual process because what happens from an annual process is Competitors make acquisitions, they bring new products or new capabilities online, and we need to make sure how are my buyer's perceptions or my customer's perceptions changing about me as the market slowly changes. So not huge things happening all the time. So you take that to an, to an extreme of where there's constant disruption or in the market, new capabilities coming online, definitely need more of a pulse in the market on an, on an ongoing basis. So that's where I put the two extremes and I, I'd ask myself, how how quickly is my market changing and how, as a result, how often do I need to keep in touch with my customers on a kind of from a traditional research perspective? That's the one thing I'd state. The next thing I'd state was when I think of kind of our 
most successful customers, they do this. They, this isn't the voice of the customers included in their strategic planning process every year, maybe do a bigger batch of it every couple of years because they're bringing on a, you know, they're redoing a, their brand. There's some big change happening that we need to do kind of a, a deeper set of analysis, not necessarily bigger research. Annual VOC, a, a part of the strategic planning process that may be broken down into customer sets or such. That's those same customers are, are evaluating the customer experience and their services, their products over time. It could be every time there is a service call. It could be uh, once a month. Anybody that has purchased their service or product gets a three-question survey. So there's more of that ongoing pulse that Vinley can do. A lot of companies can do. I think Vinley does it very well because we we have this concept of choice that we're bringing into it to understand why are you winning, why are you losing, why would you win, why would you lose. But that, so it's a blend of annual plus some hitting people most in the most natural part of where they're interacting with you rather than forcing yourself at kind of random times in their life. That would be without getting into specifics because it does depend. That's what I would, I would recommend. No. And I like it. And and I know we're starting to run short on time, but I do want to ask that we talked a little bit about one loss analysis, huge fan. I love the loss analysis. Churn analysis is a little bit new. I mean, we see the numbers, hey, 10%, but getting into the why. But one thing that we haven't talked about a little bit, which I'm a big fan, but I really don't see anybody doing is the customer experience analysis, right? So actually taking the time of somebody that's gone on onboarded with you. And again, maybe I'm specifically thinking about through the buying and onboarding process yeah. to say, hey, how did we do? And the only reason I bring this up is by chance, a number of years ago, we did this with some customers that went through and the feedback almost universally was, even though we won them as customers, they said, well, it felt like we were working with four different companies as we went through the process. Yeah, You know, we had an SDR that talked to us, then we had to go to a demo with some other guy, we had to give the information, then we were onboarded with some other team. And now I've got somebody that's going to be my account manager and everybody. So it was really kind of disjointed, even though we thought it was fairly well fluid, you know, the, the analysis we got from that was we were not making it easy for those customers. And it did not feel like the same brand. And that was a real eye opener. But yet I still don't see a lot of people talking about, you know, experience analysis. I, probably because it's coming, the newest thing I've heard is customer effort score, if you will, that Vinley's oh, using that. Like how hard are we making it or easy are we making it on you to work with us throughout the, the process? I'm sorry, did you said customer effort score? Correct. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. But that's not answering your question directly, but to answer your question directly, I think it's just coming, it's probably surfacing in different forms than what you have, you're describing that's as customer fast. experience. Think about all the little, I, I personally get all these, these surveys that pop up all the time. That's usually after an experience, now that I think about it, not necessarily during experience. I think it, it depends on the, I think the the thing that we think about, and I think a lot of companies are thinking about is like, how do I provide, I'm going to, I'm more likely to keep a customer if I provide value to them as quickly as possible, either let alone during the sales process, but as soon as they can, I can, after they, they sign a check, if you will, right. or they sign the contract. Time value or time. Exactly. And I think this customer experience component of what you're talking about really should be It's another way of stating that of it's a way of acting on what you're talking about. Now, question of are people actually 
engaging in that sort of research. I think they are just in different formats, whether it's CSAT at each part of the phase, sorry, each part of the experience. I don't think there's a ton of that going on because of, there's also a fear of survey fatigue. So there's a- more of a fan of the data is good and the quantitative is good, but qualitative can give you the the gold. And I'm not saying you do that with every customer that goes through it, but that's some do an audit or sample or something just yeah. to give them feedback of. Because the other thing I found, which I think is a real advantage for startups and scale ups, is you don't have all those silos built in yet. And historically, I've seen yeah. those surveys and everything at different handoff points. That's exactly right. Customer doesn't care about handoffs, right? So we don't get the full journey. It's our piece of the journey. We did really well with onboarding, but how did we get them to the onboarding and what did we do after there? Again, it's it's funny. If we looked at it from the customer perspective, they don't care about any of the things that historically that we've measured. So if we can change that conversation and get folks to think a little bit differently, I think there'd be even more value and in some of this work. The customers that have, and I know we're probably over time, but I'll, I'll state the people that, the customers that have completely brought to the heart of how they want their organization to operate is the, when they brought the voice of the customer to the heart of that, what you're naturally doing, we're, we're going to start working with, we worked with this company for a long time, um, usually kind of once a year and but they are completely taken, have always taken to heart this concept of bringing the voice of the customer at the heart of what they do and how they operate and how they communicate, but making the customer the hero. I think if if we if we like fully embrace that, then we then we're naturally going to ask those questions throughout the experience of how can I delight you? Like what more can I do to be of service? What one of the things we've asked recently is like, what are the things I, I, I may know how I differentiate? I may differentiate based on what we've talked about, but how am I going to delight you in that differentiation? What's it, it kind of comes back to like, I can differentiate, but if I'm not differentiating on the things that are most important to you, right. tell me Does what's just, t- yeah, right. exactly. So I've started asking at the end of business development sales conversations of like, what do you value? What do you what do you need from us? What is going to delight you at the end of the day? And I think if we keep asking that in more of that qualitative fashion, I think that's important. That's more of a to me a cultural thing rather than yes. a research thing. Yeah, 100% and you know the founders I work with, that's what I try to get in early and often. The experience has got to be a part of this. So I know there's limited processes as you're starting to grow, but as you're thinking about it work from the customer backwards, not yeah. what you need to do to facilitate. I mean, it's easier said than done. It and, really is. But. <laughs> we have to keep taking that pill. I mean, we are a voice of the customer company and we constantly have to take that pill and remind ourselves, one, we're here to serve, one, we're help, we're here to help them do what they need to do. This isn't about us. And how do we keep doing that extreme listening? That's a term I heard very extreme recently that I've yeah. loved. That's that Diane Stover Hopkins. It's, it's a, I think it's a a term that's come up more and more, but she's coming out with that book that I mentioned pretty soon. Extreme listening is is part of that. It's hard to that. hard to be easy or hard to do. It's easy. Yeah, it's hard to be. Yeah, well, hard to be. I'm it's sure hard to be easy. Sure. Yeah. So, saying, but that concept of extreme listening, I think, is just so important for companies at all stages. And at the heart of that is the voice of the customer. Yeah. So. Start with the customer, and you can't can't go wrong. So, Mary Claire, thank you. But before I let you off the hook, you know, I ask the <laughs> guests the same question every time, <laughs> and I, I joked that, you know, we just had our hundred episode come out a couple of weeks ago and 
the one thing I did right from the beginning was ask this question to every single guest. So this is the one thing that hasn't differed over the history of the podcast is this question. So what is one thing that you would highly recommend? And again, it could be personal or professional. What's top of mind for you? Yeah, the, I've started giving this answer, this type of question. It was maybe 10 years ago in different interviews or conversations I've had with individuals. And I say it genuinely. I started out in the social enterprise world and didn't flip, but just the, my transition, my career kind of transitioned. And, and I get, I've gotten this question a lot, particularly in that phase where I was transitioning. And I'm like, at the end of the day, it's not necessarily what you're selling or what you're providing or what, what the thing is. It's how we're going about it. It's the kindness, the values that we bring to the table each day. It's the kindness that we show to whoever it is we're talking to, whoever it is we're dealing with. Like that's, that's what, that's, what's going to make this world spin around in a, in a happy manner, if you will, not to boil it down to ease. It's, to, to make it too simple, but it's about who we are, not, not necessarily what we're selling every day and, and such. To me, that's like, I'm going to keep saying it because it's yeah, it's should. important. It's important. So. 100%. I won't say it nearly as eloquently as that because I've got kind of a no asshole policy. So <laughs> yeah, I only want to work with good people, nice people. And, you know, I'm not going to connect people that I, I don't like. And so I like your way of saying it much better than mine, but I, I'm in 100% agreement. The world would be a much better place if we we took that to heart, right? Yeah. Well, and I, you know, none of us are perfect, but we got to keep yeah. working at it. So. We're working towards it. We're yeah, towards exactly. It. Thank you so much for spending some time. I think this is the first time we've done a deep dive on, on customer insights. So thank yeah. you for sharing. We'll have to have you back for a, a part two. But uh, And lastly, you know, folks are looking to learn more about you and the company. What's yeah. the best way for them to connect with you? Venley.com is where you can learn about Venley. And then for myself, LinkedIn uh, is probably the easiest way. Mary Claire Mandeville, CEO at Venley. And we're putting more and more content out and would love engagement reaction. Help us learn. We're, we're here to learn. We're putting content out to, to educate, but keep learning ourselves. It's a great way to start a conversation and continue a conversation with people and get the word out and keep the learning going. So exactly. So folks hit her up and reach out. And again, again, if you're looking for market research help or customer insights, there's your first stop. <laughs> ben Lee, Ben Lee. Choice <laughs> matters. Right. All right. 100%. Thanks, Brett. Thank we'll you. Talk Have you a later. great rest of your day. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.